You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this episode is with Curtis Harding. I've been aiming to chat with him for a while now, and this talk couldn't have gone better. He's one of the coolest musicians out there, and he's also damn talented. Earlier this year, he released his latest album, Face Your Fear, which is a modern take on R&B and soul. It's an album that showcases his vocal talents in such a brilliant way. And in this talk, we go deep into the album and his experiences working with Danger Mouse. This is the 405 Exchange with Curtis Harding. Enjoy. You know, what's the interesting thing about you is I was made aware of you and your music because of friends of mine that went to your live shows. And it was, oh, word. And it was the live shows I heard of before I heard about your recorded songs. And wow. I, and I looked into you and stuff like that. I that's feel amazing. Like, yeah, I feel like for a lot of people, that's probably like how it starts. Like, how do you feel knowing that it tends to be the live show that people hear about first? I really had no idea, man. I think it's great. I've played a lot um, in the past year, did a lot of touring. So I guess it only makes sense. Um, I know I, I strive to make the live shows um, as audible as possible. Um, working on the whole entertainment side of it. <laughs> you know, trying to step up the stage production and whatnot. But I want the music to sound good first because music is a listening experience first and foremost. So that's what's most important for me now. But now that it's getting to par, up to par, I want to step up like the stage production. That'd be really cool. Yeah. You know, going into uh, Face Your Fears, uh, what really surprised me, because I did hear the previous record, but Face mm-hmm. Your Fears was the first record I heard that came out while being aware of you. And I thought what was very really intriguing to me is I was expecting that it was going to be all this like brash guitar, some solos here and there, mm-hmm. but it's actually a lot more of a mellow album. Yeah, that was one of the things that we did. We decided to like dumb the guitars down a little bit. Because um, on the first one on Soul Power, um, my guitarist, who's actually in the band now, he played a lot of guitar on the record. I did too, um, but I played pretty much the majority of guitars. What well, me and Sam did, but we just wanted to like, <clears throat> we wanted to make this one more vibey. Um, that's pretty much where that that came from. So it's just like more layers, more synths, um, just more grooves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's almost gonna sound like a silly question, but are you surprised at how well it worked? Because it worked really well. No, actually, I'm not, man. When I first met Sam, because I didn't even know that he was going to be in our the first session, I thought it was just going to be me and Danger working on the record. Yeah. And like, uh, Danger was like, yo, I forgot to tell you that I'm this guy Sam Cohen I've been working with. I'm going to bring him in to uh, to work with you. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. Who the fuck is this guy? But after, like, the, after the first session we did Wednesday Morning Atonement, like, I was sold, dude. I knew. I was like, we got something good. Because if you can meet somebody right off top and then, like, vibe like that and come out with such an amazing track then the rest of the stuff is easy peasy you just gotta like like get the egos and shit out the way that was my ego speaking I love but you know what I love that though like I love that you said that just now specifically because I do have it here to ask about but just Mm -hmm. we'll jump into it Wednesday Morning Atonement I mean that yeah dude that's a tune yeah man that's That's a fucking tune yeah that's that's like that's Danger was really really hands on with that track Um, him and Sam but that was the first joint that we did. And um, yeah, man, that's what came out. Like I hadn't recorded any music in a long time. And I was just kind of, you know, in the zone of like, what can I write about? And how can I put this in such a way to where, you know, 
it's 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 gonna mean something to to everybody and that was the first thing that i thought of just like yo music is like my it's because they are like my children and i have felt like i was neglecting my kids you know what i'm saying from not recording and i had been away just trying to figure out where i was going to put the album who i was going to be working with and i felt like i was making atonement to my kids so that's what that's what the lyrics are about you know what i'm saying a strange father that's been um neglecting his children for whatever the reason might be or away from his kids you know what i'm saying what's beautiful about that as well and it's what really struck me when i heard the track for the first time is that within the lyrics it does feel like it's about yeah. something specific but it's open enough for people right. to put themselves in it. right exactly that's exactly. a beautiful thing yeah man so yeah. and that's just that's the and the beauty of the track you know what I'm saying provoked that emotion inside of me too so it, it worked just hand in hand yeah you know yeah. going into working with danger i mean obviously like for people like I mean, I know you're from reading about you. You're a music fan. Yeah, I'm a music sure. fan, obviously, from yeah. talking to you. Yeah, man. But Danger, I mean, he's like he's the dude. Like, yeah, man, he's a dude, man. I've known him for a while. Like, I met him throughout um, when he started working with CeeLo um, for the Nas Barkley stuff. Um, yeah, I was in the studio when they recorded Crazy and all that stuff, man. And I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw the evolution of it, like the conception of like, even from the name, like how they came up with the name, and then like, crazy being like the number one song in the country. and So yeah, I've, I've known that guy for a while and got a lot of respect for him. Like his his musical, his prowess and just ear is crazy, for sure. It's amazing. I've had some run-ins with him here in New York before, and I think, yeah. um, I think without intentionally doing it, I've definitely projected a sense of like, holy <laughs> fuck, where it's you, dude. Because I mean, he had a big hand in uh, yeah. Demon Days, which is yeah. one of my favorite yeah, records. Yeah, it's one of mine too, man. It's, it's one of mine too. Yeah, he was actually, the first time I met him, um, when he came by the studio where Lo was working at, which he was actually mixing, he was mixing that record. No fucking yeah. shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah, man. But I, uh, the he was also working on, he was doing that MF Doing project at the same time. God too. damn, that's a fucking yeah. legendary thing right yeah. there. Yeah. But something that struck me with him, and I wonder if you got this from working with him, even though you knew him already, is that, like, just from the brief interactions I've had with him, he seems very big on not having a mystique, not letting people have this perception of him. And it's like, I feel like when you talk to him, you get to know him a bit, he has this inadvertent way of making it seem like, no, there's a process to where I am now. There's a process to doing music, and it's like I agree with that. I agree with that statement. Yeah. He's also very super humble. He really is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he likes to fly under the radar. I try to do that. You know, like he's 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 a, um, he's an example for me as to uh, to how I want to be once I have that much success. You know what I'm saying in my musical career. Yeah. So I think it's really cool the way that he lived his life. Did the experience of working on him for this particular record differ from what you expected, or was it almost exactly what you thought it was going to be? Um, I kind of went into like the process with no expectations. Um, I had musical expectations, um, but because I didn't really know how, I didn't know how Sam worked. I didn't know like, I didn't know how Danger necessarily worked because I've seen him work, but I didn't know how he would work with you know what I'm saying with me in studio because we're all different personalities. Like we have music in common, but um, the process was really, really it was actually pretty, pretty easy, man. Once we got in there, like when you have that much talent in the room, man, you know something has to happen. Something's going to happen, man. So I didn't know what, I didn't know how. I just knew it was going to be good. Especially after we did Wednesday Morning Atonement, because that was the only song that I recorded in L.A. The rest of them I recorded here in New York at uh, at Sam's studio. So I didn't even know where his studio was. I had never seen it. 
Um, but yeah. Wow, and a lot, when you describe it in that way, and how you described it since the beginning of the talk, in a lot of ways, I'm curious if you're aware of this, but almost like, it seems like essentially at the start of making this album and like within, throughout it, you're almost kind of drifting along with what was coming your way. No, for sure. For sure, man. The same happened with Soul Power, though. Like, I had songs that I had already written that I had for like a long time. Yeah. But I didn't know what I was doing, man. Like I had I didn't I wanted a producer and I, the only reason I produced it myself was because I didn't have anybody to produce it at the time. Um but yeah, I don't I just I just go into it, man, and just you know, whatever whatever comes out comes out, you know. Like I said, I I have musical um expectations. Yeah. But sometimes like even that changes throughout the course of like the process of recording, you know. Yeah. You just got to kind of be open, man. If it feels good, go with it. You know, that's what's so, important. Yeah, man. I'm curious in regards to Face Your Fear. I wonder, because um, I know from hearing about your live show and your live band, I also know people who are familiar with you know that you and your live band are pretty tight. Were they also on this record? Live band? No, actually, me and Sam um, pretty much did everything on this on this album. And then we called in musicians that could play drums better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I actually play strings to uh, to do that, man. Um, but I will be using them for the next album. Um, my guitar player is Sean Thompson. He played on the first record. Um, but yeah, I, I did like a bunch of songs uh, in LA at another studio um, that I, I involved them on that will be coming out at some point. That's good to hear. Uh, yeah, but for this one I wanted it, because it was Brian and, um, and Sam, I kind of wanted them to use who they were accustomed to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's it, that is like, like I said, that's the other part of you having to like kind of just like let your ego go. You know what I'm saying? And let the reins go. Um, so I just let them just like, yo, all right, so I think we should use this person. And then they, they you know, they took my advice on a lot of stuff too. So yeah. it's a working relationship, man. Yeah, you know, tell me this. And I had a good time reading up about you even before this talk. Like, oh, and for some reason I remember this mm -hmm. particular thing about you, but I remember you talking about what a big deal it was for you to not only go to play music in Europe, but being able to experience Europe because of something you made and because of like a work type of situation. Yeah, I, I like I've never wanted to go, um, especially that far and not have something to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, which I feel like a lot of people don't yeah. get, but it, personally yeah. for me, it makes a lot. Yeah, of sense. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. and I also want to be giving. I want to give back to the culture in, in some some sort of way. And I think that that helps. And people are more accepting of you when you go places when they know that you're actually doing something. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So There is this uh, aspect, because I've been to Europe loads. I grew up there a little bit as a kid, and I've like, been there loads of times as an adult. And I feel like mm -hmm. what's amazing that I've witnessed with touring musicians, even mm -hmm. touring crews, is that there is very much an overt understanding that yeah. you are working. Exactly. It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly, Mundo, man. And that feels good, you know. It feels good to me. Um, the only the only drawback from that is like when you're touring and you're there, you don't really have a lot of time to explore the city. Yeah. But when you do get downtime, it's, it's great, man. Yeah. I, I guess what I the specific question I have though is, do you feel like? I mean, I already know the answer, but I'd love to hear you kind of go into this. Do you mm -hmm. feel like the experience of going there, touring, and being able to go for work and experiencing the place? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's affected you as a person? Like being. Oh yeah, definitely. You can't go to like another country and and see like the architecture and, and meet the people and um, eat the food and not come back a different person not changed in some sort of way like it's great man that's a great experience that's the experience I want 
um, for a lot of my friends, a lot of family. I feel exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, I have loads of yeah. family and we don't even have passports. Yeah, man, yeah. exactly. It's like, dude, like, you know, we we're everywhere. You like a lot of times you grow up as a black person and you don't think that there are black people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you know, don't. yeah, It's like, dude, we're all over the place and they love us in a lot of places. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, man. I remember a couple of years ago, I uh, spent Christmas in Ireland, but I have like friends and family there. But I had a layover in uh, Frankfurt in Germany mm-hmm. and I decided to just extend it. I was like, I'll stay longer. And yeah. it's going to sound silly, but like, it was like Christmas time, that's yeah. everything. thing. For some reason, I just didn't think I'd see black people on about, and it was almost like, oh, dude, they're there. yeah, they're there, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, like, yeah, there's something that you have to experience. Yeah. I, you know, I like I said, I, I always wanted to go and make sure I was doing something, and that just helped me to, like, be able to settle into, like, the area of the world I was in better. But, I, I really understand that because I feel personally for me when it came to my like I've been there as a kid but when I went as an adult it was mm-hmm. for work rather than like a right. leisure thing right. I feel like there's something about going there for a purpose that right. makes it feel like your time is being exactly used. exactly but I also in 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 another aspect I, I want to make it clear that if you've got anybody out there listening to this podcast if you've got yes. the opportunity to go don't just, just, go. just go you know yeah. what I'm saying so I like to say personally for me I like to say you should always aspire to go somewhere you haven't been regardless of yeah. places yeah, exactly. like I've never been to Alabama before I think maybe yeah. I'll enjoy it yeah well yeah. I, I like Alabama I used to live there my mother's actually from Alabama is so. she really yeah well she's from Philadelphia Mississippi but yeah. they immediately moved to um Look Mobile. how random that is. I brought yeah, Alabama yeah. as like a tie there. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I used to live there. Live yeah. Mobile. I still got a lot of family down there, man. That's incredible. Before I let you go, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Like, I really appreciate it. Thank you, man, yeah. for, for chatting. You no, know what I'm course. saying? Yeah. It's always cool when people want to talk to you about, about you. And stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. Not all like the random. You know, exactly. Yeah. That's but cool, I, man. I really want to know, and this is a broad question, but I feel like you don't have the answer for it. I mean, the experience of creating this album so fresh mm-hmm. for you. And of course, people are going to ask about Wednesday Morning Atonement. People are going to ask about Danger Mouse. But I wonder if there's another story, another side experience that you had, whether it's no matter how big or small it is, that really sticks out to you of like, this is a memory I had from making this album. Yo, just I honestly, dude, like, it's a dream come true being able to work with Brian and like go into a studio. And like, because that was something that I had always, like, being involved with that whole Don Sparkley thing, I was like, yo, this is something that I want to do. And, um, and it took, 12 years you know what I'm saying but like for that to actually happen to work with like and for him to be open the person that he is and the producer that he is to be able to work with him was like it's, it's pretty amazing it's a pretty amazing memory do, man do you feel an aspect of that memory and I love that you bring it up but I wonder if this because when I heard you brought up the first time what I thought about is especially like being a black kid myself, mm-hmm. having been a black kid myself and growing up in Europe and here in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aspect of music and making and working in it, whether people try to do this or not, they inadvertently make it seem so obtuse and so mm-hmm. dreamlike. But for you to be what? in the situation you got to witness one of the biggest songs of all time being created, mm-hmm. can I, I'm curious, was it for like kind of a moment for you where you saw how practical it could be? Yeah, you know, but I think that people kind of musicians whatever it is that you do you have to almost you just got to believe that the dream is real it's not you know what yeah. i'm saying like it's not it's not too far-fetched man like people are just people you know what i'm saying it, we we are just what our experiences are you know and i've just been lucky enough to 
not not taken away from like my talent or anything. Like I know I'm a talented person, talented dude. But you have to put yourself in a situation for these things to happen. You got to put yourself out there. You know what exactly. I'm saying? You yeah. never you never know. And it's, it is it's really it's pretty practical, man. For me, like I think it's just a way of uh, it's a mind state. Like if you feel like something is unobtainable, then it's it's going to be unobtainable. You know, you just have to like you got to believe that the dream is real. Exactly. So. That's pretty much all it is, man. At least for me. It's super simple. Exactly. <laughs> you know? On that note, Curtis, thanks for chatting with me today, man. Thank you, man. It's been great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yo, worry, man. Uh-huh.